Well, currently we're in week two of our series, The Leftovers. And apparently, you know, Satan's attacking this morning, so that's okay. That's okay. He can attack. We know where we're at. We know where we're going, so we're okay with that. So last week, we kind of laid the groundwork for this series. And as we laid the groundwork, we looked at the attributes of our Heavenly Father. We looked at the attributes of God, and it kind of set the stage for us to understand how we, as Christians, should treat anyone we come across, who, someone who may be an outcast or a misfitter, someone who may be labeled as a leftover. And even there's times in our own lives when we feel that same way, but it kind of gives us that notion and that we know that God's grace is sufficient. And the grace that we get from Jesus Christ is going to be there. It's always available to us. Now, during the rest of this series, we're going to be looking at people who are in the Bible that really shouldn't have been there. Their story shouldn't have been there, or at least their story should have been a little different than what we see inside the Bible. You know, people that weren't part of the religious establishment, you know, these people that we're going to be looking at, they're... They weren't bishops, they weren't popes, they weren't pastors or prophets. You know, they weren't even board members or deacons in a church. Some of them weren't even them good, old, upstanding, salt-of-the-earth Christians that we have here in church with us today. They're actually just opposite. They're just the opposite of what we see. And, and these people who should have been, who were actually, they were shunned. They were despised for who they were and for what they did. And they're people that no one wanted anything to do with because they were sinners. They were sinners, they were cheaters, they were adulterers and the like. They're the low of the lows in the Bible. They're unclean, they're untouchable people. And if the church would have probably had their way back then, the stories would have probably been a lot different. You think about the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and some of these stories we're going to read about in the Bible may have simply went something like this. And so Jesus came and saw such and such a person. And Jesus said, oh, you're a sinner. And basically by the law of the prophets and the law of Moses, they need to be stoned and put to death. And Jesus went on his way. That's how most of the prophets and Sadducees, or the Sadducees and the Pharisees would look at it. And unfortunately, there's times in life ourselves, we do the same thing. Oh, well, they're a sinner. They just need to be smote by God. <laughs> they're a sinner. We can't have them here with us. We're the saved people. <laughs> you know, but we're not. And Jesus didn't do it that way. Jesus was radically different. And if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we should be radically different. You see, Jesus embraced people. Jesus embraced these people who seemed like they were just outcasts, like they were left out, like they were the leftovers in life. And you think about the religious leaders, they probably would have said, well, you know, Jesus needed to hang out with the Pharisees and the Sadducees a little bit more. Oh, well, Jesus should have been praising those who were in the temple, praising those who were following the law of Jesus, or the law of Moses. But Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus wasn't like that at all. And today we're going to look at a man by the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man who had a big problem. And him being a wee short little man was not his problem. He had another problem. 
So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. If you don't have a Bible, there is one in the back of the pew. Or you can go ahead and pull it up on your smartphone, iPad, Droid, whatever it is you happen to use. As a reminder, the verses hopefully will be on the bottom of the screen. And if we happen to still be live, they'll be on the bottom of the screen there also. So with that being said, let's go ahead and read Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we read your word this morning, Lord, may we learn from it, Lord. May we learn how we may fail you. May we learn how we may feel towards leftovers or outcasts in our life. And may you open our hearts to change and be more like you. And Lord, may my words be your words. And I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we see is Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. No one liked tax collectors. We still don't like tax collectors. <laughs> but this isn't even more of a special case because Zacchaeus wasn't just a chief tax collector. He was a Jewish chief tax collector. And this made him especially hated amongst the people of Israel. So not only was he Jewish, but he sided and was working with the Romans who were oppressing them. And it goes a little bit longer than that. Besides just working for the enemy, we see that as he climbed the corporate ladder, he not only took what Rome told him to take, he apparently took a little extra to pad his own pockets. So he was truly hated. He was a cheat, and what he did, it made people really despised who he was. And from the point of views of the Jews or of the religious establishment, he was a sinner sinner. He was a sinner sinner. Some of us in this room have been sinner sinners in our life. So here we have this hated tax collector in, in uh, Zacchaeus, and um, he's too short to see above the crowds. He hears Jesus is coming, and he's trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. And you figure the people standing there knew who he was and probably kind of blocked him out a little bit, made sure, oh, you ain't going to see Jesus today. You're not going to see Jesus. And they kind of blocked him out, so Zacchaeus had to act. He had to do something. So what did he do? He acted. He went and he climbed a nearby tree so that he could get a view of Jesus. 
And it's interesting now Jesus comes along and you, you think about this. It's a busy day. The streets are packed. Jesus is probably the most popular person in Jerusalem at this time or outside of Jericho at this time. And here he comes down the road. It's probably busy, bustling, everything going on. The crowds are all around and the market's busy. And he notices Zacchaeus in the tree. Now, if you think about this, most of your religious leaders probably would have treated Zacchaeus in the tree a little differently. You figure some of them probably would have seen him up in the tree and called him out for it. Hey, everyone, look at Zacchaeus, the sinner, up in the tree. He's too short to see me coming through, so he's got to get up in a tree. And everyone probably would have laughed at him. They probably would have thought it was funny. Or another religious leader probably would have said, oh, look at that sinner, Zacchaeus, in the tree. Repent of your ways. And the crowd probably would have cheered him on. And then others probably would have just ignored him altogether. Would have ignored him, wouldn't have paid attention to him, wouldn't have even acknowledged that he was there and just walked past and be more concerned about the people who were around them. And unfortunately, everyone in this room probably fits in one of them three categories at some time in our life. But Jesus, our Jesus, totally different. Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must stay at your house. When's the last time you saw a leftover on the street and you said, hey, come on over. You need to come and stay at my house. I need to stay at your house for the day. I need to come stay at your tent. Jesus meant to be a culture changer. Jesus did not come to go with the status quo. He meant to be a culture changer. He knew who this guy was. He knew he was a leftover. He knew he was someone that the religious people wanted nothing to do with. And yet he went to him. He went to him. He went to this sinner who is unholy, unclean, and this unworthy guy. And you think about it, he kind of said, hey, Zacchaeus, let's do lunch. Let's get to know each other. It's basically what he said to him. Hey, I'm going to come to your house and stay at your house, so go ahead and make things ready for me. I want to get to know you. That's what Jesus basically does here. When everyone else would have smote him or ignored him, Jesus, hey, I want to, I want to find out more about you. I want to learn about who you are. I want to learn about what's inside of you, not just what's on the outside of you. He accepts him right where he's at. So as we go through this story of leftovers, I think there's some things that we're really going to be able to see in this story today. I think the first things that we see is leftovers are looking for us. The leftovers are looking for us. Well, technically, they're looking for Jesus. They're looking for Jesus, and, and we're probably the closest thing they'll ever see to Jesus. We're told to be Jesus with skin on. Do people truly see Jesus when they see you? If people don't see Jesus when they see you, you might want to check and see why. But they're looking for, they're looking for Jesus, and we're it. We're Jesus to most people, and we need to realize that. We need to realize that we're the closest thing to Jesus that some people will ever see in their entire life. And it's a humbling thing to say and a humbling thing to know. The world needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. The world wants Jesus. And they're looking for Jesus. Only problem is Satan has this world so distorted that they don't know where they're looking or what they're looking for. 
They see us as Christians, how, how we're living our life and well, how we should be living our life. And, and we're doing good and, and we're happy and we feel good and we're moving through life even when things are happening. And then Satan will tell people, oh, well, you want to find what they have? Here, open up this bottle. Go ahead and drink it. Because when you're drunk, you know, you'll feel a little better. So you'll feel it for a little while. You may feel the satisfaction that these people are having. Or maybe some sexual immorality. Hey, you'll feel good for a little while. Or maybe they're just looking in some subjective morality because they want to make what they're doing sound appealing. That's what Satan's using in the world today. Where we use Jesus for our happiness, we use Jesus to set the course for our life. Satan is having people fall into all of these different sins to try and find comfort that we find in Jesus. Because the world is looking for something. They're looking for Jesus. They don't, just don't realize it. They just don't realize they're looking for Jesus. I will tell you, they are not looking for Jesus inside a church. They are not looking for Jesus inside a church. Why? Because we make them feel bad. We make them feel bad when they come through the door. We make them feel that they don't belong. We make them feel like they are less or not worthy of Jesus' love because we don't maybe like what they represent or represent what they're, do or what they're doing in life or maybe the way they look. And I think we forget that we were once sinners too. No, actually, I think we forget that we still are sinners. We're just saved by grace. We have just met the one who is able to save us and give us that forgiveness. And they have it. And it's our job to introduce them to them. And I think we need to remember that every day. You know, it, it's not that, you know, at the end of the day that, you know, oh, they're in their boat and we're in our boat. Believe it or not, we're all in the same boat. Christians and non-Christians, we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat going through this life of sin together. The only difference is, We've gotten into the life raft. So as we've gotten into this life raft and we feel kind of secure that if the boat sinks, we're saved because we've accepted God's grace and we know Jesus, we're going to be saved as that boat sinks under the water. And since we've kind of gotten our lifeboat, and you know, we're still on the same boat, but we're kind of in a safe area. We kind of treat them with that smugness, like we've got something that they don't have. Well, what we have, we used to not have. We only have it because someone shared it with us. And that's what we're called to do is share it with somebody else. We need to open up and invite them to come into our life raft because we're all in the same boat. We are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. The only difference between a sinner who doesn't know Jesus as us is that we know Jesus and he has forgiven us. And we can go to him and continue to go for him each and every day. We need to make sure that we don't shun other people just because we may feel that we're lucky that we've gotten Jesus. I know where I'm going. Well, your next door neighbor, you may know where they're going to and it's not the right place for them to be going. So we as individual Christians need to make that change. Think about this. Here's a picture of the crown jewels. Gorgeous, aren't they? Look at how well kept they are. White gloves. They're you know, stored, right temperature, everything. 
They're on display for everyone to see. And even though they're on display for everyone to see, the royal family still uses them. They still wear them. They still use them. And then when they're done using them, they clean them up, they polish them up, and they put them back so they're on display for everybody. Now, you notice they don't keep them inside boxes in a closet, right? They keep them out. They keep them clean where everyone can see it. Everyone can see it and understand the value of them. Because if they kept them in a box in an attic or someplace or in the back of a closet, no one would really care about them, right? Unfortunately, that's the way we treat our Christianity sometimes. We keep it in a box in the back of the closet. We don't put it on display like the crown jewels and keep it polished up for everyone to see. We keep it hidden away. We keep it hidden away and put away and, and we hide it except for when we come to church. And then when we come to church, we're Christianese. How you doing, brothers and sisters in Christ? You know, we put on that church mask and we come to church and, and we show our Christianity. And then we wonder why no one wants to have what we have. Why doesn't anyone want to be a Christian? Why don't they want to listen to me being talk about my Jesus? You see, because unfortunately, a lot of times, this great treasure of Christ, we don't offer them the best, like the crown jewels. We offer them the worst part of Christianity. We offer them our hypocrisy. We offer them our judgment. Or we offer them our mean-spiritedness or division and fighting. We don't offer them the good side of Christianity. We offer them the bad side of it. And then they come in, they're expecting, you know, oh, well, why am I going to go into church and meet Jesus? There are hypocrites in there. There are Pharisees inside this church. Think about that. Because we all become a little Pharisee every once in a while. We become judgmental. We become hypocritical. Or we can become mean-spiritedness. But as a Christ follower, what should we do? We should show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruits of the Spirit. That's what we should show. And not just when we come in church. And understand that when we show these off, we're showing the best of Christianity. We're showing the best Christianity has to offer when we show the fruits of the Spirit. Unfortunately, we don't always do that. We fail just like everyone else. But I do think that when we actually do this, if we actually show the fruits of the Spirit, I think what we will see is leftovers will react. Leftovers will react to us. Those who are on the outside will react to the Christianity that we show to one another. And you notice I say the Christianity we show to one another, because a lot of times Christianity that we show to people outside, we may show the fruits of the Spirit to people outside, but then when we get inside the church with our fellow brothers and sisters, we show the bad side to our own brothers and sisters. So besides showing it to the outside world, we'll show it to each other. Well, you know, we're all family, family fights. But as family, we should still show the fruits of the Spirit to each other. But we will be hypocrites to each other also. Or we will become Pharisees to each other instead of showing each other love. And we've got to understand that when we show the worst of Christianity, if you look through history, you can see where the worst of Christianity got some bad things done. Think of the Crusades. The Crusades because of bad Christianity. 
Spanish Inquisition? How about the Salem witch trials? Or even slavery? All because Christianity was put on the wrong side. You know, and these are big things. These are big examples of Christianity gone wrong. They're really big examples of Christianity gone wrong. And it's when the world and, and causes these repercussions and people want to walk away from God. You know, and ultimately, if you studied each of these real closely, you'll actually find out it wasn't actually Christianity. It was Christianity being used as an excuse for people to gain power and for people to gain money because people were greedy. And unfortunately, that still goes on today. Even these big examples was people trying to get, showing their greed or wanting their power. And when others show their greed or their hypocrisy, they may show their meanness. It pushes people away from Jesus. When we show the bad side of Christianity, it pushes people away from Jesus. There have been people pushed out of this church because of the bad side of Christianity. Because people have had their feelings hurt inside this church. And then guess what? You're not the only church it happens to. It happens to churches all over, the, all over the world. Probably more in the U.S. churches than you see overseas. Because it's a different form of Christianity. When you're being persecuted for your faith, that, it's a truer sense of Christianity than what we have here. We, unfortunately, we're commercialized here. And we need to get back to the basics. You think about it. If we truly show people the fruits of the Spirit, and you think about people throughout Christianity who have shown the fruits of the Spirit, and look at what they've done. Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, Martin Luther, and so many others. These are people who showed the right side of Christianity. They showed the fruits of the Spirit, and they offered it to everyone. And you really think about what the difference is between these two groups. The first group put their wants and needs above the wants and needs of, of Jesus. They put their own wants and needs above the wants and needs of Jesus. The second group put their wants and needs behind the wants and needs of Jesus. Jesus was the focus of their life. What Jesus wants, what Jesus calls me to do was all focused on Jesus. It's not about what I'm going to do. It's not about any power, any prestige, any money I may get. I am here to please Jesus Christ. And that is the difference. That is the difference between good Christianity and bad Christianity. And unfortunately, each one of us have had bad Christianity in our life. We've seen it in churches. We've seen it in ourselves. But we've got to continue to move forward. We need to always put the desires of Jesus ahead of the desires of our own. Anything we get is because of him. Anything we get is because of him. And when we focus on him, we can focus on bringing people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. See ourselves as simple vessels that God can use each and every day. That's how we need to focus. You see, people don't differentiate us from our religion. Oh, you're a Christian. Any bad thing they've ever had about Christianity, as soon as you say you're a Christian, that's what they're going to think about. It's exactly what they're going to think about. It don't matter. It don't matter if you say I'm Baptist, I'm Catholic or anything. I'm a Christian. Any bad thing that ever happened to them, they're going to put it right on you because that's who you are. So we need to be different. 
We need to show them that kindness and we need to show them love. If we show someone kindness and love, they're going to see that Christianity is about kindness and love. If we can show them charity and acceptance, they're going to understand that Christianity involves charity and acceptance. If we can show them compassion and grace, the compassion and grace that we received, they will know Christianity is about compassion and grace. If we show them we're hypocrites, they go, oh, I told you that's what it was about. But that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about, and we need to change. We need to look at Jesus in our text. He could have ignored, simply ignored Zacchaeus and walked away. He could have ignored him, walked away, and no one probably would have done anything about it. But he, Jesus always said, I've come to do the will of my father. So the will of his father was for him to meet with Zacchaeus. And he tells him, so he made, he tells Zacchaeus, I'm going to be with you. And Zacchaeus immediately reacted to Jesus' call. Immediately reacted, so he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. So leftovers will react when we show them the love of Christianity, when we show them the right side of Christianity. Which then takes us to the last point. Leftovers will respond. If we show them that love and we show them that kindness, they will respond. And they'll often respond in big ways. They'll often respond in ways that you don't even think of. Think about verse 8. Verse 8 says, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone for, by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. I'm going to restore it four, fourfold. Now think about this. It was probably reasonable for him just to say, You know what, Jesus? I'm sorry, and I'm going to give back what I took which probably would have been a big undertaking for him to figure out what he took from everybody. Probably be a big undertaking for him to actually do that. And people probably would have cheered and be, oh my God, look at this. Zacchaeus gave me back everything he stole from me. They probably would have been happy. But Zacchaeus goes above and beyond that. He responds to the love and the, the goodness that Jesus shows him and he goes old school. He goes so old school, we're talking Numbers chapter 5, verse 7, old school, with what he says. He's, and in Numbers 5, 7, it says, Then he shall confess the sin which he has committed. He shall make restitution for his trespass in full, plus one-fifth of it, and give it to the one he has wronged. Zacchaeus went old school. And he not only did a good thing, he did the right thing. He went above and beyond what the Old Testament law told him to do. Give him a fifth. He says, I'm going to replace it fourfold. So he went above and beyond. And the point is that when we're faced with the love of, of Jesus and it manifests through us, people will respond. People will respond when we manifest that love of Jesus through us. And they'll do it in a big way. They will do it in a big way. You may be surprised. But see, we have to get ourselves out of the way first. Because you see, the problem with leftovers isn't that they're leftovers. The problem is that we're elitists. And you may say, oh, I'm not an elitist. Oh, yes, you are. Guarantee it. Every one of us. Every one of us is a little elitist. Think about it. Have you ever met someone who threw themselves out of society? No. 
I have never met anyone that threw themselves out of society. Because they don't. A leftover don't throw themselves out of society. A leftover or an outcast is a leftover because someone left them out. Or they're an outcast because someone what? Cast them out. They've never done it to themselves. And us with an elitist sense about us will basically push them out. We're the ones who will push them out. In Luke 9, 2, you think about this. It says, now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. But he's a leftover. And you might think, well, okay. But in verse 7, they're complaining about him. They said, but when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Now, see, if Zacchaeus would have cast himself out or been a leftover, this story wouldn't have been in the Bible. Because he wouldn't have been a chief tax collector and he wouldn't have been rich. So when we look at this story, we, we kind of look and say, guess what? He's a leftover because they left him out. That's why this story is in the Bible. The problem wasn't Zacchaeus. The problem was everybody else. How many times are we everybody else? And we have that elitist mentality and we leave people out. We're in the lifeboat, they're in the sinner's boat, leave them out. And we do it each day. And see, the problem of this view is, is with leftovers today that it isn't them. Those people who are out there who we may consider leftover and outcasts or misfits, it's not their problem, it's ours. We are the problem. They didn't leave themselves out. They didn't cast themselves out. We've done that. We'll walk by them and ignore them sitting in the tree. We'll walk by them and ignore them sitting on the street. We'll walk by and ignore them sleeping right in front of the church. We're the ones who leave them out. Remember, they're looking for Jesus. We're the only Jesus they might ever meet. Do we act like the Jesus that's in the Bible? Do we act like the Jesus that we accepted as our personal Lord and Savior? Or do we act more like a Pharisee or an elitist in our life? Something we need to think about. We all know that one person, we all know that one people group, that one race, that, that one sexual orientation, or that one school of thought that we all think God can't work with. Well, God can't work with them. And we can't work with them. Well, there's no way I can work with them. Oh, they're just too loud. Oh, they're too hypocritical. Man, I just don't, they don't get what I'm talking about. Pastor, I can't talk to them people. I can't change them. Guess what? It's not your job to change them. It's none of our job to change them. Our job is to accept them. That's what our job is. Our job is to accept everybody. It's Jesus' job to change them. But it's our job to accept them. That's why Jesus just tells us to love our neighbor. Jesus says, love your neighbor. He didn't say to fix your neighbor. He didn't say, well, get your neighbor right. He didn't say to scold your neighbor. He, didn't say, he said, love your neighbor. Don't admonish them. Just love them. Love them and I'll do the rest. That's all we have to do. That's pretty easy, isn't it? All we got to do is love them. Let Jesus do his part. 
But boy, we get stuck wanting to do our part of it, right? We get stuck being, being well, I got to be in control. We need to show the leftovers that they're no longer leftovers and they're no longer left outs. So as we close today, I want to make one point. I want to make this one thing that I think we can take home and for you to just chew on this week. We have to be more accepting of others. We have to be more accepting of others. We have to show people, all people, that they're welcome here. That they're welcome inside of our lives. We have to show. Now notice I'm saying show, not tell. We have to show young people that they're welcome here. We have to show the people who walk by this church, who drive by this church, who are in your neighborhood, who maybe sit at your table, that they're welcome here. We need to be welcoming to the people who are outside, accept them for who they are, and let Jesus change them. Let Jesus radically change your lives. But we've got to take that first step. Showing the fruits of the Spirit. Not showing the hypocrisy. Not showing mean-spiritedness. Showing love, joy, peace. Giving grace to those just like we receive grace. Giving love to others. And it takes a change of mind. It takes a change of attitude for us to do that. Because there's some people I look at and I'm like, really, Lord? You want me to talk to them? (laughs) Do I really have to? Yeah, I have to. That's what he calls me to do. That's what he calls all of us to do. To step across that line and go have that conversation. Hey, I just want to let you know, I I love you. and, And I want to invite you into my house. I want to have lunch with you. I want to find out more about you. And as you're showing that love to that person, let Jesus take control. Let Jesus step in and radically change that person's life. Because Jesus will do it. Every one of us at some point have seen it done someplace. But we have to make that offer. Zacchaeus, come on down. I got to stay at your house. Who's the Zacchaeus you need to talk to this week? Who's the Zacchaeus you need to have come down out of the tree and go have lunch with? Or go have that conversation with? Guarantee, I bet we all know somebody. We all know we're left over someone that we have left out. Someone that we have cast out. And maybe they're not going to listen to you when you come up because all they've seen is your hypocrisy or your, your meanness. You're a sinner. So am I. But sometimes we get so caught up in that. Oh, you need to repent of your sins. You act holier than thou. Act like you're an elitist. How about humbling yourself and walking up and saying, hey, you know what? I'm a sinner too. My sin may not be your sin, but I'm still a sinner. And sin is sin in the eye of God. Sin is sin. A lie is like a murder. Sin is sin, period. So we're all sinners and we all fall short. So we need to sometimes get off of our soapbox, get out of our life raft, and walk in and have them conversations. Invite them leftovers into your house. Invite those leftovers into your life. Have them conversations with them. 
Make a change in their life just like Jesus has changed yours. We need to accept the lost and we need to accept the sinners just as Jesus did. Because you know, we're all sinners. And we all fall short of the glory of God. And maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Well, you can do that today. You can come up here and we'll have a conversation about it. Pray the sinner's prayer. You can be accepted into, into the life raft today. Or maybe you just need to get a little closer to the life raft. Maybe you're still being prompted by the Holy Spirit and there's no better time than the present, but it's His call, not mine. And maybe you just need to come up here and say, Lord, I've been casting people out. I've got way too many leftovers in my life that I've left out. And have Him change your heart. Have Him change your heart from from being that Pharisee or the elitist that thinks you're above somebody else because you've got the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus and you don't want to give it up to somebody else. Someone gave it up for you. Jesus gave it all for you. And we need to be very unselfish and make sure we give it back to others. Each of us knows a family member that don't know Jesus. And maybe we've just harped on them way too long. Maybe we've been that Bible thumping, hitting them over the head with the Bible instead of showing them love, peace, patience, and goodness. So maybe you just need to come up here and pray about it today. Or if you need prayer, I'll be off to the side. You can come up and pray with me. But with that, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we love you for who you are. We love you for what you have done for us. And Lord, we fail on a regular basis. Lord, I ask that you open up our eyes to the leftovers, those we have left out of our life, or those we have pushed out of our life, thinking they weren't good enough for you. Lord, open up our eyes to see them so that we may go back to them and show your love, your peace, your grace, and your patience with them. Take away the hypocrisy that's inside our lives or the Pharisee moments that we have that we will seek to be like Jesus with all we come in contact with. Lord, that we will show your love and your grace to this world like they've never seen before. And Lord, that people will see a renewed spirit in us as we continue to move forward knowing you're not done with us yet. And Lord, if someone here doesn't know you or needs to just have that conversation, I ask that you make them move and make that move up front, Lord, and leave it at the altar for you and make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen.